1: Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. It was then put to him that he wasn't trying to help her and that there was no other man and that he was the one who stabbed her in the neck 11 times and he said, no, it wasn't him. Anne-Marie Lawler then said it was in a desperate attempt to save herself that she scratched you and he said, no, she didn't hurt me. She then put it to him that his DNA was under Atty Murphy's fingernails and the prosecution said he lied about the hospital and the Garda station and he's lying today. And he said, I'm saying to you what I remember and at this point, the cross-examination ended.
0: I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Joseph Puska's cross-examination on the witness stand ended today. During his testimony, Puska says he was stabbed by an unknown man who then proceeded to attack and kill Ashling Murphy. Now there is only one more witness left to be heard in the case as closing arguments are set to begin next week. Today I'm talking to Crime World's Claude Mini about what murder-accused Joseph Puska claims happened on that fateful January afternoon in 2022. I'm Niall Donald and this is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Joseph Puska was back in the witness box again today. Uh, Joseph Puska has pled not guilty to the murder of Aisling Murphy and he's giving evidence in his own defence. And we heard um, he was on the stand yesterday, just quite briefly before it closed for the day. So again, he when he came in today uh, in court, he was brought through um, by his own defence counsel and they again went through what happened on the day that Aisling Murphy was found dead. So he described being on his on his bike, uh, going along the canal and then being attacked by a, a unknown assailant, as he describes him.
1: Yeah. So up to yesterday, um, Joseph Husker had kind of described that morning where he was cycling around um, Tullamore. This morning, then, when the, when the he got on the stand, we launched straight into continuing on from where we left off yesterday. And at this point is when um, he told um, the defence counsel, uh, Michael Bowman, senior counsel, exactly what had happened from his point of view on that day. Um, so he was asked initially about um, cycling around Tullamore, and he was asked about another woman named Beata Borowska. Um, now that woman was on the stand earlier in the trial, and she said that she didn't even know that he was following her. This was only through CCTV that he. He was seen and he said that he wasn't following her. When asked about why he was out cycling that day, he said that he was exercising. And um, we heard that he was uh, out of work with a slip disc in his back. He said that he was preparing to return to work um, and there was nice weather on that day. So we decided to go for a cycle. Uh, he also, for the first time, described what he was wearing on that day. And he said he was wearing a red jacket with a black tracksuit uh, with a white stripe Um They also, he was asked about painkillers. So he said that he had taken someone that day and had someone he was out in a cycle. He then went in to describe what happened. So using maps, um, we've heard about these maps throughout the trial, Um, using those for assistance, he pinpoints his route throughout the day. So yesterday when we left off the questioning, he was walking his bike towards Digby Bridge. And today he commenced his narrative from where he begins to tell us what happened relevant to the attack on Ashing Murphy. So he said he passed the bridge and was on a concrete pavement and was making his way towards Tullamore town when he was attacked by a man. He was on his bike when this happened and the the man started shouting at him and he was pushed off his bike. The man then sat on top of him and began saying something he didn't understand. Joseph Puska said that this man was speaking English. Uh, He was shouting threats at him, saying that he would be hurt or or killed. And that's when the man stabbed him in the stomach. At this point, he says he doesn't know why he was attacked. um, And when he was trying to defend himself, his attacker pulled out a knife. This attacker, who is an unknown man who still has not been identified. It was shouting at him, uh, saying something that Joseph Puska says he didn't understand. At this point, he says a lady we now know to be Ashing Murphy then appeared and said something to the man. At which point, the unknown assailant began shouting and uh, directing his anger towards Ashing Murphy.
0: And does he he described the assailant as well at a later point? Didn't he, he give a physical description of him? And...
1: Yeah. So he described the assailant, um, the supposed assailant, as being one point eight meters tall. He said that he was wearing a dark hat or cap. As well as a dark navy jacket and dark trousers but he couldn't exactly recall um what the man was wearing he also said that he was wearing a mask um michael bowman asked was it like a covid mask that we would have worn during these times because of course this is back in january 2022 and he said yes um he continued to describe the attack he said that um when his attacker kind of when Ashing Murphy supposedly interrupted um the attack on Joseph Puska, the attacker then jumped up and went at Ashing Murphy. Um he saw them disappear into the bushes. And when he heard shouting come from the bushes, he Joseph Puska got up and went over to have a look, where he saw this the unknown man and Joe and Ashing Murphy uh in the bushes and she started shouting. Uh he then saw Ashing Murphy had been attacked, so he shouted at the attacker and then the attacker backed away from Joseph Puska and eventually ran away towards the bridge. At this point, Joseph Puska said he went towards Ashing Murphy and he was afraid, he said, that the man might come back to harm him. He then fell into the bushes and reached over to help Ashing Murphy. Um, he said he tried to help her by putting her scarf tightly around her neck to try and cover up her injuries because he said he, he had seen injuries on her neck. A couple of moments later, a woman. Jenna Stack, who again, we heard kind of on the very first day of the trial, we heard from her saying that she came upon Joseph Puska in the ditch with Ashton Murphy. Um, He said that she came along and said something to him that he didn't understand. Um, He says that he shouted back at her, but she started running away with another woman who was on the pavement, who we know to be Aoife Marin. Uh, He said at this point he was scared and in shock, but stayed for a little bit where um, he was. But he got really stressed about what happened and he left.
0: And he describes then um, in his testimony later on about losing consciousness further up. I don't know if he gives a very uh, exact uh, location where he says he lost consciousness, but he does describe it.
1: Yeah, he said that he left the bushes because he was and went towards the town because he was feeling sick and really unwell. Um, he said he couldn't continue on into town, so he decided to remain in the bushes for some time. Um, at this point, he said he lost consciousness and by the time he woke up, it was dark, but he could see lights, flashing lights uh, that were making beeping sounds. Uh, Michael Bowman asked wh- why he didn't go near the, go over to the lights to get some help. And he said that he was scared and stressed so he didn't go towards them. He then, Michael Bowman, re- returned to the point in the story where Janice Stack had come across Joseph Puska and Ashley Murphy in the bushes um, to just to go over what was said. So Joseph Puska denied shouting at, at the woman. Um, as Janice Stack testified, he said that he was kind of yelping or shouting in pain um, and denies that she said that she was going to call the Gardie because if she had said that he said he would have understood what she was saying. He was asked then about Lashing Murphy's injuries and he said that they, he seen them on, on her neck he believed on the right hand side and he said that there was blood and then he also was asked if um, there was any contact between them and he said that she had touched his hand. She was wearing gloves but she said that he had touched his hand.
0: So then further on, he explains calling into uh, a friend of his and then ultimately traveling to Dublin um, which we which we know. And that those they, they match up with what we have already heard uh, that he called into a friend and his friend, he told his friend he'd been attacked earlier. And um, was he then uh, brought through his own interviews with the guardie in the hospital the next day?
1: So what happened was, yeah, he went through a little bit about what happened with his friend, Rostislav Pukata, who we heard from on the stand earlier in the trial. So he testified that he brought Joseph Puska at home at around nine o'clock at night. Um, he then, kind of the only Discussion, I suppose, about the interviews was he was kind of cross-examined about those um, and what he remembers from being in hospital. So he said he couldn't recall exactly what happened to him in hospital uh, or being in hospital. He said he remembers being in pain and that investigators were speaking to him. He said that he had met with investigators before his surgery on January 13th. So this was the day after the murder. Uh, on January 14th, after the surgery, he said he was in severe pain and can't remember a lot from that day. Um he can't remember speaking to the guardy or his interpreter on the phone and doesn't agree that he said he had killed Miss Murphy or that he apologised for doing so. He also said that he doesn't remember that day, but he does remember being worried about his family and he was later cross-examined about that. He said he was in hospital until the 18th um, and agreed with the defence that that's when he was arrested. He was then asked by Michael Bowman before he finishes his, his um, questioning of Joseph Puska. He asked, uh, you did not hire Miss Murphy, to which Joseph Puska said yes. And that is the truth. Mocha, Michael Bowman asked and Joseph Puska responded by saying, yes, this is the truth.
0: So then he was cross-examined by, I think, Anne-Marie Lawler and she obviously put it to him directly, a different version of events, which which is the prosecution's case. I mean, she put it to him directly and that he had been following these women earlier on and she also said very directly that he had told a number of lies Uh, how did he respond
1: so he, you know, he denied lying. Um, Basically, the, the first thing that prosecutor Anne-Marie Lalla put to him was that he had 18 to 20 months to come up with this story. He agreed. He said this is the first time his version is being heard. Uh, she asked him if he had previously lied to Gardi, to which he says he can't agree with that statement because he doesn't remember. He was then asked, did he lie to Gardi at the Garda station? Uh, and he said he invoked his right to remain silent. At this point, Justice uh, Tony Hunt, the judge in this case, introduced. And said, asked him when you did speak, did you tell lies? And Joseph Puska says, he lied about the stabbing in Blanchardstown. He then uh, was asked did he lie to Gardie in Tullamore and he said I don't know I didn't answer the questions and added yes maybe but he couldn't recall or confirm if he'd lied in the hospital but agreed he lied about some things. Um, he says he recalls being in hospital and meeting Gardy on the 13th um, which he which he agreed with. He was asked if he recalled his conversation with Gardie to which he said he did remember speaking about the attack in Blanchardstown but he was asked if he lied to Gardie about the attack in Blanchardstown and once again he said yes it was a lie and he wanted to apologise for it at that point. Um, He said that he was worried about his family. Judge Hunt then again interjected and we will see this. He has his own questions for Joseph Puska at the end. The cross-examination, he wanted some clarification. He asked Joseph Puska, how would this lie help his family? And he said it would was because um, he was attacked in Tullamore and he was worried if somebody from his family would try and find the attacker and he didn't want to risk that. Um, Anne-Marie Lawler then pointed out the times he lied to the Gardaí on the 13th of January and then again on the 18th and 19th of January.
0: So the 13th of January is obviously... The initial conversations they had yes. with Gardy when they called to him at his hospital bed, but the 18th and the 19th are after he was arrested and formally questioned and in in taped interviews, and um, so she's making a distinction that you know that that it was over these number of interviews, not just the one in the hospital.
1: Yeah, so she she said that to him, and he said that it wasn't his intention to lie to Gardy. Um, she then said. Could it be established that he was somebody who lied? And he agreed. He said in some parts, yes, he did admit to lying. Um marie Lawler then put to him that he had witnessed a murder, then hid in a ditch. Again, he agreed with that. Um, he was asked if he had fled Tullamore, and he denied fleeing. He was then asked about his beard, so we know that from CCTV footage, he went into this house in Crumlin with a full beard, and when he came out with the paramedics um, on the 13th, he had no beard. Amory Lawler then asked him if he had fell if it had fallen off, um, to which he said no, that he had shaved it, and asked if it was to change his appearance. He said no, he shaved it so we could find out where all the scratches on his face were. So he had significant scratching to his face, his head, and his arms. We've heard before. Um, he then said he couldn't agree that he confessed to the murder because he can't remember it. Um, to which Miss Lawler said to him, so you can tell us now how you told Guardy you knew nothing about the murder. And he said, yes, I saw it in the paperwork yesterday. Amory Lawler then put it to him that he had conco- to- concocted yet another set of lies for the jury. To which he said, I said what I remember from January 12th. She then said to him, I'm not going to play any games here. So I'll put it to you that you are lying. Um, to which point he said, everyone has their own opinion on this, but I've said what I remember. He was was then asked what time he left his home on the day so on the 12th of January and he said he doesn't know as he didn't have a watch with him and when she asked him to estimate um how long he was in time for he said he doesn't know he was in time for some hours and it was dark when he went home so
0: then um she put some as she started to finish her cross-examine she put some questions very directly to him um say, saying to him clearly that she believed that it was their case that he was the the killer and that he had watched he had watched Ashley Murphy die.
1: Yeah, she definitely did. I mean, you know, she asked him a lot of questions about um him cycling around the town as well. So she put it to him, you know, is this something that you would normally do um following women around the town and he said no, he just rides around slowly um she said that's how you'd normally cycle and he said yeah most of the time and then he was asked about staring at the women and he said he looked at them but he didn't stare um and again it was put to him that he was on CCTV staring at women and he said no he just passed them out and looked as he was going by he was then asked about um losing consciousness in the ditch so he said it was a few hours and he didn't you know he didn't want to tell his friend about what had happened. So his friend Rodoslav who picked him up, he said that even though his friend asked a number of times, he didn't want to say what had happened. And then Amory Lawler referenced um, the fact that when he got back to his house, so his friend gave him a back, lift back to his house. Why did he ask his friend to slow down just so we could see who was there at the house? And she, he said that he was afraid that the man, the attacker, so not only the man who attacked him, but who you know, he's claiming as the murder of Ashing Murphy would have been outside his house. And he was asked if he'd given the attacker his address, to which he said no. But the man had threatened, he said at this point, to, th- to hurt his wife. Um, and Amory Lawler asked if the man who stabbed him at the canal had threatened his wife. And he said, yes, that's why he was being really cautious uh, because he, he thought the murderer was going to be outside his house. He then kind of goes through a little bit about what happened when he went inside. He said he had a shower and... Um, He spoke to his brothers who were there. He was in shock. He was shaking because he hadn't experienced anything like that in his life. Um, He then said that he'd asked for his clothes to be burned, the clothes that he was wearing at the canal um, and he said that he doesn't know what happened to them. He asked for them to be burned and he hasn't seen them since. Um, so, yeah, then it, there was a little bit of a break. So uh, Anne-Marie Lawler wanted to kind of take a break just to prepare some of her notes. So she took a 15 minute break. The jury went away. And this is kind of when she got down to, to the bones of it. Um, and she put a questions directly to Joseph Puska. So she put it to him that he told the jury that he doesn't recall confessing to the murder of Ashing Murphy, but he does remember the conversation he had about the safety of his family and he agrees that it was possible. He said that he didn't remember confessing and doesn't recall being in hospital, but does remember his arrest and remembers being the officers being at his door at the hospital and being alone. He said that he didn't, he didn't have any visitors either. She, he was then asked if he remembered having a solicitor with him. He says he does remember the solicitor, um, but doesn't know what day the solicitor was with him. He was then directly asked if he was lying about his memory um, and said it's he said it's not his fault that he can't remember. It was put to him that he does he have problems with his memory? Um, and he says, I have problems with my memory and it happens quite often. He said, it's not a lie. I am just telling you the truth. Again, Amory Lawler put to him that earlier on, he agreed that he was a person who lies. And he said, I agreed I lied to certain statements, but I don't remember about the hospital. Um, And then we got down to kind of the questions about Ashing Murphy being still alive while he was there. And he said that yes, she was still alive when he was with her. She was asked if he was trying to assist her. And he said that he was trying to help her, but he is no, but it wasn't in his power to do so because he has no experience of medical care. It was then put to him that when Jenny Stack came along, he shouted at her and he said that he was shouting in pain, not directly at her. Asked if he had shouted help. He said he didn't because when he shouted in pain, she ran away. So there was no chance for him to shout at her to ask for help. He was then asked if he stayed to watch Ashing Murphy die. um, And he said that he waited a moment and then he left. And he was asked if he stopped helping her before she was dead. And he said, I saw I can't help her. It's not in my power. It was then put to him that he wasn't trying to help her and that There was no other man, and that he was the one who stabbed her in the neck eleven times. And he said, "No, it wasn't him." And Marie Lawler then said, "It was in a desperate attempt to save herself that she scratched you." And he said, "No, she didn't hurt me." She then put it to him that his DNA was under Atting Murphy's fingernails, and the prosecution said he lied about the hospital and the Garda station, and he's lying today. And he said, "I'm saying to you what I remember." And at this point, the cross examination ended. Um, But Justice Tony Hunt had a couple of questions.
0: So he asked a couple of sort of specific questions, I suppose, to clarify information as given. And what did he uh, focus on?
1: Yeah, so... He has interjected various times during the trial to ask him for a clarification or, you know, whether it's telling the prosecution or the defence to, you know, get to the point of what they're trying to say. Um, so he really wants to get down to the crux of this. So he had some questions of his own left over from the cross examination. He wants to know how the man who stabbed him knew that he was married, how Joseph Puska was married. And he said that if the man who attacked him was from Tullamore, he may have known that he was married because he sometimes walked around town with his wife. Um, at this point, then Joseph Puska said that the man spoke English. Um, Uh, Tony Hunt then suggested to Joseph Puska that losing consciousness is normally caused by a head injury and asked him if he had any head injury and Joseph Puska said he did not. At that point, his witness testimony ended and he left the witness box.
0: So he is finished now um, as a witness. Did we hear about who is left to come um, and and anything about how long the trial is going to go or what's the next steps?
1: Yes, so Joseph Wuska's witness testimony has ended. Um, We did speculate yesterday uh, that... Perhaps the case could go on for a lot longer because we weren't sure who was next to be called. The judge told the jury today that there is one witness left um, that they are expected to be heard for on Monday as they weren't available this evening. Um, at that point then, we'll hear the judge summarising the case and there'll also be the closing arguments. And then at that point, um, the jury will be given their charge sheet and sent out to consider their verdict.
0: OK, well, we'll be back in you know, on Monday as, a, as the case draws to his end. And uh, thanks very much for that, Claudia.
1: We'll touch on it then again. Thank you, Niall.